Are you prepared for God's future? Welcome to Apostle of the Future with Apostle Ashley Clater, where we discuss doctrinal myths versus truths, biblical facts, and much more. Well, good morning. God bless you. Welcome to this week's broadcast of Apostle of the Future. If you saw the marketing and promos, I have my very special guest this morning, uh, Apostle Jordan Bryce. I got a shift. He's, He's been a prophet as long as I've known him. And just like I was a prophet for 12 years, people are still tripping over the change. And it's been four years. So my mouth wants to say prophet, but I know it's apostle now. Apostle Jordan Bryce is going to be on momentarily. I want you to like and share and comment today. I appreciate what God is doing in the kingdom. I'm not going to delay. I'm going to bring him on right now so we can jump into our discussion this morning. Welcome to Apostle of the Future, Apostle Jordan Bryce. How are you, sir? Oh, wait, hold on. It's, is it my audio again? It's me. It was me. Okay. Was I was me. like, Lord, I thought I fixed it. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to be here, man. I, like I told you earlier, Apostle of the Future is a staple um, in uh, prophetic education and apostolic education. So um, I think you're doing a tremendous work. And now you're uh, a huge uh, deal amongst my apostles and prophets in training at my church. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. Well, that's uh, definitely a privilege and an honor to uh, be able to lead and uh, be the apostle of the future and bringing in others. Part of my commission that I received when I was commissioned is to uh, raise up this millennial generation, this next generation. And it's really rolled over into the youth ministry Mm. and bringing them up that way. Not saying everybody's going to be an apostle, please and thank you, but understanding the fivefold, the threefold and the purpose of God raising up apostolic Christians and young people. So tell us um, now your bio is great. I mean, first of all, when you asked this man, I asked him for a bio. It's like three sentences. I said, okay, that's <laughs> a statement. But uh, Apostle Jordan has been in ministry for 12 years and he has his web address, which we're going to put up. He has his church, Nova Hub. Yes, Nova Hub. Nova, Nova Hub Ministries. And um, also he, he has a passion for uh, having intimacy with God, raising up leaders and intimacy with the Lord, as well as, uh, excuse me, let me get it right, leading the masses to Jesus. Now, what he didn't put in this is his uh, passion for destroying devils. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anybody who knows him, it's like devils beware because <laughs> he's on the scene. And we're going to talk about that actually a little bit later with apostles and other gods and devils and things like that as hallmarks and trademarks of it. Now, of course, one of our staple books here on Apostle of the Future is Eternity's Generals, which you will see this year with a new cover. It's going to be redesigned. Uh, Same content, though. And so if you don't have this book, you want to add it. If you are an apostle, you want to add this book to your collection. If you're afraid to say you're an apostle, then don't call yourself one, but get yourself some education, all right? If you're afraid to say it, you're not ready. But uh, EG, we always call it EG. Eternities Generals is a fiery, fiery book. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Everybody's signing on. Tell us where you're watching from. I know your wild bunch is going to be on, uh, Apostle. And so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. And then we're going to jump into how you always knew you were called to apostleship. I'm going to share a little bit about myself coming into apostleship um, because, you know, it's epidemic. We see this now. Prophets, now apostles. Prophets, now apostles. Prophets, now apostles. Is it biblical? Is it not? Yes, there is a biblical precedence for it. But there's also evidence and proof of that that is outlined in scripture as to how somebody can know that God has called them to the office of the apostle. But tell us, sir, about you. Tell us about your church, too. I mean, it's like when you're a minister, you can't ever go to anybody else's church unless you're preaching there. Right. And you're like, I really want to be there on a Sunday. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so busy. Because God knows if I had the time to go to, to Tulsa, I would find myself somewhere in Congregation of the Mighty. Yes. But uh, but um, I started a church in uh, 2017. Um, the church actually turned five uh, this month. No, next oh. month, actually. So it's it been five years since I've um, been uh, leading a, a work. Uh, we started off in a, um, in a uh, little Haitian woman's house. Uh, with uh, that was cooking goat meatballs every Sunday afternoon. I remember watching these things. Yes. Yes, we would. Uh, it actually didn't start off as a as a church. We started off as a prayer ministry, 
And we would, I was explaining to one of the day, we would um, learn how powerful the ministry of intercession was because we would pray for particular things in our city, in our region, and we would see them almost instantly manifest for our mm. eyes. I never forget, we were praying against um, drugs and we were praying for major drug busts. While we were praying, the Apple News went off on all of our iPhones because, you know, if you're in God's church, you know, you're supposed to be using an iPhone. We're praying for you a <laughs> Stay on topic. <laughs> so we, our Apple News all went off and um, it was the announcement of a major drug bust that had took place about 10 miles down the road. Wow. We would be we would be praying and we would see um, a major uh, prostitution or sex trafficking rink uh, busted while we were praying on that very subject. Come on now. And so we saw so many different uh, crazy uh, acts and moves of God um, just as a bunch of wild, crazy intercessors that believed that God wanted to dominate our city. Um, and throughout the time, we continue to grow. We grew, we grew. We would shrink, grow. You know, after a good solid rebuke, we would shrink. And then, you know, then we would... <laughs> and then we would... It was a wave offering in the room. Right. Okay. <laughs> and then, um, then you know, COVID-19 happened. We were currently going house to house, but more so meeting in a particular person's house in our ministry. Um, and she was a nurse. And so just out of safety, we didn't want to get her or her kids sick. So we decided just to go strictly online. Directly after meeting became legal again in Northern Virginia, we went from 30 people to 60 people in one day. Oh, wow. Um, just a, an extra 30 people who just been watching us online uh -huh. showed up. And we outgrew every room in the hotel that we met in. And when we outgrew the room, it was, you know, kind of, it was kind of wild, honestly. And then we uh, outgrew the biggest room and we got a building. And so we've been in that building for two years. We're around 200 people. We're steady growing. You know, I tell people say anything that grows really fast is not growing, it's swelling. And, um, and so I'm, re I'm really grateful because I think a lot of times if we're talking about apostleship, Anytime something grows very, very fast, um, we automatically assume that the leader is an apostle or apostolic, but um, fast growth is not always a sign of health. Um, and I think um, that's on, the kind I'm of apostle that I'm got- my bell. <laughs> and so I think, I, I think sometimes, you know, we, um, we judge apostleship by traction and apostleship is not judged by traction, it's judged by fruit. Right, and right. so we have a lot of apostles that are producing traction. But if we were to go and inspect their fruit, no one has really been converted. No one has really uh, been translated from one kingdom into the other. And, you know, um, no one has been discipled over into this kingdom. Um, the systems of the kingdom of God have not been placed in their life. And, and, and I would say what, they're, what they really are are a bunch of evangelists. But, you know, that's neither here or there. Yes, so it is. Um, it's here and so, there. Mm -hmm. So so that's kind of how my ministry got started. I was raised. Um, my grandmother, she's an, an apostle. She's a trailblazer. She raised me up in the faith um, and really birthed me out as a prophet in the earth. Um, and then eventually I came under um, um, Apostle Ryan Lestrange and he really birthed me out as an apostle. I got to see really what the apostolic looks like up close. I got to see the warfare up close. I got to see the persecution associated with it up close. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at today. Apostle is strange. I tell you what, you know, somebody, Dr. Price is not really connected with directly. We might have to work that out. But anyway, you, you can know an apostle by their fruit, not just the works of what they build, but the people. Yeah. And what they build in the people years ago, Dr. Price was under tremendous persecution because she was a real apostle. So she was not playing around. She was strict. She was whatever with us. And now I've been with her 23 years. And so over 20 years later, people can see, oh, that was the way to go. Because at that time, it was the evangelical paradigm was the stronghold. And so it was about just loving people and, and, you know, sowing and reaping and faith and grace and all of this that we're dealing with today. We had these generals now trying to sound the alarm back then, 20 and 30 years ago, the devil's at our door. He's yeah. trying to kick this thing in. We're about to be the minority in the, in the world. 
And nobody wanted to believe that. But you made some statements, first of all, about the paring down after that correction. And then you grow and then you, okay, that's true. And then the conversion piece and how um, we are in love with just getting big. I appreciate that swelling. A lot of times I'll say that church isn't big. It's just inflated. Yeah. We have inflation, just like, you know, economically, you can just have inflation. And um, to where it's big, but it's not solid. It's com- very unstable. It's an artificial growth mm. that's contrived and manufactured in many ways. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure as you do, you know, people behind the scenes and a lot of these big ministries, and they're telling you how they got big. And a lot of them were business deals. People were paid to close their ministry to join so-and-so's yeah. church. And I'm going to abs- pay you, absorb your ministry. I'm going to give you a position here. So they're adding hundreds here and hundreds there, and which easily turns into thousands. And it looks like, um, you know, God has uh, organically moved and just spread organically. And it's a business deal. Yes. It's a business deal. And I'm like, we know this for a fact, which is why the danger of large numbers being your validation and big bank accounts being your validation as to who is truly, truly authentic. We saw with Jesus in scripture, when he finally preached about why he came, he looked up and the room was empty. Gone. (laughs) He was ghosted, as we say today. And not the Holy Ghost. He was ghosted. And he looked at his guys, y'all leaving too? Because, hey. I have a message and I'm not going to change it because everybody right. just walked out of the building. Right. And so, you know, I think the the first true test of apostleship, especially as a trailblazer, um, is whenever you begin to lay out the message that God gave you, people initially will be like, I'm not here for this. Right. Man, when Dr. Price laid down why she was a founding apostle, was on the heels of a huge... Um, prophetic series that she did people were coming out of the woodwork in Tulsa coming to the church because it was prophecy prophecy prophetic and you know Dr. Price can prophesy until yeah. the Lord's return whenever that is and so <laughs> and she can do that and people were coming and just stay right here and she was teaching on the soul back then that was the um the founding of 3D now and everything was back then mm-hmm. oh yeah 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 when she laid down that founding apostle when I tell you that church was like the next Sunday where did everybody go yeah Hmm. Interesting. Because we're conditioned, and I want you to speak on this, conditioned to be a very self-serving people of God. Yes. When I, you can, and tell me what your thoughts are on when I scan through the, let's just say top five hot churches, what they're teaching about is not repentance. Mm -hmm. They're not teaching about casting out devils. They're not talking about your sin is taking you to hell. It's all these other things that sound deep and actually might be profound, mm-hmm. but not necessarily the gospel that leads into salvation. What are you, what say you? Yeah. Well, you know, this is what Paul said. He said, I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power Lord. unto salvation. And so the power of salvation is not being exhibited in churches because the authentic gospel is not being taught. The gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of, and you cannot have the gospel without mentioning sin. You cannot have the gospel without mentioning uh, that, listen, you need to be saved. You know, your your way is wicked. Man's ways lead to death and destruction, right? And I think that's, you know, what what, what, um, possibly part of the ABCs of apostleship. (laughs) You have to, (laughs) we have to to mention sin somewhere in, 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 in the picture, because if we don't mention sin, um, what do we need saving from? Why do we need this Jesus? Right. Why do we need his gospel? And so um, what 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 I've heard more so is that you're perfect. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, sir. You're just, you're just so loved by God and you, and you can't do anything wrong. And What's the tone? And, Come on, give me the tone. You know, you can't do anything wrong and he just loves you. And, you know, you're, you're going to the nations and, you know, um, and, and you're going to be blessed and all those different things. But 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 if we do not teach sin, no one's going to get converted because the fear of the Lord is is, is a big element in the gospel. The yeah. Bible talks about when the apostles begin to move, that everyone dare not join them because yeah. of the fear of the Lord that was associated with the apostles' office. You know, this is this is an era where if you lie to one of those men, you might just drop dead. You might. 
This was an era where, you know, um, you could break out and boil. Something could, would happen to you um, if you offended this mantle. And so, um, yeah, what I see a lot is a heavy, and what you said, self-serving, a heavy emphasis on pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and even in pastoral ministry, I feel like that's been perverted. It's been corrupted because pastoral ministry is not the stroking of, of sheep. It's honestly, it's the shearing of sheep. Oh, yes. Um, and so we, you know, we're so busy on trying to massage the sheep and make them feel good that we forget that pastors are supposed to shear the sheep, keep them safe, get the fleas off of them, make sure that their hair is low, something. But now we're just okay. making them feel comfortable in our churches. And that's why our churches are growing, because no one is being challenged to change. And people don't like to be challenged. People like being comfortable. And so, yeah, yeah it's self-sync. That's why I'm not coming to your church unless you got donuts and, and coffee in the back. You know, I'm not coming to your church unless you give me five ways to be healthy and productive yes. and wealthy. You know, um, it's time out for all of those things because God really wants to bring the real apostolic back into the church. And let's not forget my pet peeve. How long is your service? Because I don't want to be in church all day or all morning. That's the one right there. Oh, so you're yeah. saying that I can't get in and out of an entire service in an hour in 90 minutes. I mean, what do you now we're talking about your eternal destiny, your eternal life. But we've made again, be, like you said, and we talked about the flesh, then the right now is the thing. These are people who will blow 19 hours of a day watching, binge watching something about hell cussing them out all day. No wonder you can't sit in church for more than an hour. You are mm-hmm. full of the things of this world. And yeah. when you are full of the things of this world, you really can't stand the sound of the gospel. You you come late after worship. Well, how long is your worship? Well, why do you need to know? So you know when to get here just for the word. And so um, Galatians chapter two, which is one of my favorites, because you were talking and this brought this up. Now, when Peter uh, 2.11. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. And when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? Come on. And this is where we are right now. We are so afraid to call a devil a devil. We're afraid to challenge uh, ministers and other leaders who are out there doing this thing the wrong way. We know it. God knows it. They know it. And it's like, oh, no, no, because, you know, who am I to judge? Actually, according to scripture, this is a standard of judgment. Yes. You are not being straightforward about the truth of the gospel. And that's our huge problem that we have today. Apostles are supposed to be straightforward about the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is you're going to hell. The truth is, you know, the other week on my broadcast, oh, maybe this was just last week, uh, when I talked about uh, is hate biblical? And there are times when God hates people and, you know, the whole thing of God hates the sin and not the sinner. Uh, No, that's not in scripture. He breaks down people that he hated because of what they did. He wiped Mm -hmm. out and you are going to be wiped out. He said, Jacob, who I loved, and Esau, who I hated. You know, I used it. And and specifically what and break it broke it down over and over the things that we should hate the difference between in in the Old Testament uh, actually throughout the whole word uh, when God talks about we should hate those who hate him but love those who hate us and see we blended those things together well you yeah. know in the Old Testament that's the Old Testament God but the New Testament you're supposed to love everybody no God he never said that we were supposed to love anybody who hated him we're supposed to pray for those who persecute us. Not God. And so, you know, we blended this whole thing together and made it about ourselves. So tell us a little bit about how you knew you were called to be an apostle. Woo. First of all, (laughs) when I was introduced to this, my answer was not yes, Lord. Yes. (laughs) No, that you Um, did. You were called to it. No. 
Yeah, I, I said, I said, no, sir, no, thank you. I'm not, I'm not interested in this. I said, I very much so enjoy being a prophet. Now, you know, early in my ministry, um, right when I first started, I received um a lot of prophetic words about apostleship. Uh -huh. But what is a 16-year-old gonna do with um a prophetic word about being an apostle? Um, and I really think I I ran into um what I would call some immature prophets and prophetic people um, who begin to assess my life and look at what, what where God was going to eventually take me. And they begin to call me an apostle. And I think they were speaking out of turn, speaking out of line. And I think it's one of the things, I know we're talking about apostleship today, but I think we really need to make sure when we are prophesying people that we are prophesying in season Please because not everyone is ready for what God is eventually going to do. You may see it correctly. You may know it, but um doesn't mean you have to say it right now. You can be aware. And sometimes like we have to learn how to watch over our word in people's lives. Um, you know, cause when you give someone a prophetic word, can you be there to watch that word come to pass in people's lives? Mm. You know, God watches over his word. Sometimes we as prophets of God or pro prophetic people have to watch over their word to see it come to pass in fruition in people's lives. But we're talking about apostleship. So I had but some- that, that matters though. Yes, that matters. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had some prophets tell me that, and you know, even at 16, I knew by the spirit of God, I kind of told these prophets, I said, I said, you know, I don't think you were supposed to tell me that right now. I said, <laughs> I'm just kind of, I'm just now starting to come into my prophetic mantle and learn how I work as a prophet. And you're introducing to me an office that I've not studied for. I've not, I've not really um, uh, uh, looked into deeply. Um, mm -hmm. I've been trained majority of my life in being prepared by God and those above me as a prophet. And so, um, and so I kind of ignored them. And, you know, every now and then the Lord would say something likened eventually you will transition into the apostle's office to me. He would say something in a dream. He would say something um, in, in through, a, through a prophetic word. He would say something. He would Somebody would call me an apostle without calling me an apostle uh -huh. in a prophetic word, um, if you will. Uh -huh. And then I'm, I won't forget in 2012, a lot of people don't, don't um, know this, but I had an encounter with Jesus. Well, a lot of people know this, but they, they don't know the confines of the encounter. Because, you know, when you really have an encounter with the Savior, there are certain things that are sacred. There are certain things that yes. are, that are you know, just you don't share with the masses, you know, because, the, you know, there, there's intel that's higher than, than most people can, can, can perceive. So I had an encounter with him. I went to heaven. I had an encounter, stood before the Lord. And in the encounter, the Lord said, spoke to me about the next about 15 years of my life. And he began to, you know, and, you know, when, I don't know if anyone else has ever seen Jesus on this broadcast, but when you see Jesus, his mouth usually does not move. He's talking to you, but his mouth ain't moving. Spirit, spirit. He's talking to your spirit. And so he's talking to me and he's saying, um, and oh, yes, and you will eventually step into apostleship. And in the encounter, before I could really <laughs> give him my rebuttal. I was back in my body. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you're like, oh, and a, no, we're gone. <laughs> I just so, one question, please. Right, like, do, I have, do I have to walk into this? So, you know, I had that in the back of my mind. I was aware of it. He told me. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to be faithful to the assignment that I know you've given me now. Right now, I am operating in the earth as a prophet. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do what prophets do. I'm going to I'm going to war against occultic powers. I'm going to release the word of the Lord. I'm going to raise up other prophets. I'm going to do everything within the spectrum of my jurisdiction as a prophet. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, obviously about a year ago, um, I was caught up by the Lord um, in the middle of my room. And he, you know, the spirit of God walked in my room and said, you're not going to sleep tonight. And I said, um, <laughs> I'm going to try. So I got in the bed and everything, got under the covers, turned the fan on. And I'm like, We're, I'm going to sleep tonight, you know? And the Lord said, you're not going to sleep tonight until you are, until you agree to apostleship. You, you know, it is very interesting because in my mind, I thought I already agreed to it. I thought, <laughs> I said, okay, ultimately one day I will step into this. And I'm like, I can, I can do this work that I'm doing now and God will leave me alone. But I learned, I learned again that night after many nights of wrestling with the Lord that he's Lord and he's going he's gonna to get his man to do what he wants him to do when he wants him to do it, you know? Yes, and so yes. I, I, I literally feel the host of heaven 
in my room. I'm having dreams in and out of men walking into my room, sitting on my bed, saying, you will be the Lord's apostle. I'm like, dreams in and out. A man, let's see, a man, I, I, you know how you go in the spirit and everything looks the same? This man busted my door open, sat on my bed and said, and leaned and said, you will be the Lord's apostle. And I don't think <laughs> all night, I mean, until sunrise. And eventually I ended up talking to my covering about it. And he said, he said, yes, that is really, really on your life. And um, ultimately they commissioned me. But, you know, I, um, I walked through an educational process about apostleship mm -hmm. before I stepped into apostleship. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, they think because they hear the call that it's time to step into the office. Um, God taught me, you know, firstly, through Eternity Generals, through ABCs of Apostleship. <laughs> I studied these books. <laughs> I looked into these books. I looked into um, Apostle Eckhart's books on the Apostolic. Apostle Ryan has books on the Apostolic. And I learned up close by watching Apostle Ryan for years, what does apostleship look like? Talking, looking at my grandmother, studying the biblical paradigm. You know, I learned something. What we see today for <laughs> apostleship is not what we see in the Bible for apostleship. For an example, I remember how mind blown I was when I found out apostles don't have to lead a local work. How about that? And because I, I, I was looking at something, I said, not all the apostles led a local work. I, I, I learned that apostles are called outside of the ecclesial sphere. And that they're called to the dominion sphere, to the kingdom sphere. They're, they're called to deal with the systems of the world as much as the church. And I learned so much. And I learned, Lord, if I'm going to step into apostleship, I'm going to have to unlearn everything that I thought apostleship was. So really for the last two to three years, I've been unlearning. Mm. I've been unlearning. I've been having, having paradigms confronted in my mind, uh, paradigms confronted in my heart that I thought were godly paradigms, but they were really religious paradigms. They were traditional Ooh. paradigms. Yeah. And so that's essentially how I stepped into apostleship. And I honestly feel like I'm still in school of the hard knocks. I still like, I feel yeah. like I am still dealing with the warfare. <laughs> Someone asked me the other night, how is it being an apostle? I said, it's warfare. <laughs> I am still dealing with the demons associated with this mantle. I'm still dealing with, with, the, with the encounters associated with this mantle. And quite frankly, I feel like I'm not right in the head. But thankfully, Jesus is my peace if I keep my mind staying <laughs> on, on him. You are my peace. Come on. <laughs> Cue the song. Okay. Right. Oh, Lord have mercy. That's the, uh, that's the truth. Well, uh, one of the things, of course, Dr. Price says many things. Um, one of them years ago, she said the apostle's office is a martial office. Mm. And you have got to get it in your head. This was way before I could even accept and wrap my head around the fact that that's who I was going to be, even though I knew it. Um, but she said, it's a martial office. So you have got to get it in your mind, in your spirit, in your soul, that we are martial officers. And of course, U.S. Marshals, when you study those kind of things and understand what that means and how, uh, and, and we also highlight, and she teaches that apostles and prophets and teachers, but apostles and prophets predate the church, yes. which is why they're not mandated to a church in order to have an active office. Pastor really isn't pastoring if you don't have a congregation. We have pastors after we had churches, but apostles did a whole lot while establishing the church, dealing, and we're going to roll into the subject of dealing with gods and nations along the way and staying right there. And that's the one place that you do not see a lot of contemporary apostles going is dealing with the gods and the nations. Now we're going to go to nations. We're going to share the love of Christ but dealing with those devils and those gods that are hitting the church, infiltrating the church, what we see right now going on, a lot of this stuff, demons, devils, other deities, religious practices, yes. uh, interwoven in yoga and all these things that have found, fraternities. Yes, that have found a happy place and a happy home. <laughs> yes. in the house of the Lord and in the hearts of his people. We're not dealing with that. And, and again, because you know, anything tied to money and purse strings, people are going to, now all of a sudden we need 10 days of prayer. 
Now you want to ask very uh, moment happening in order to pray about what gospel you should teach when it comes tied to your money being hit for telling the truth. And what yeah. if they walk out the door? They've already walked out and got, I think you need to be, see, we need to be more concerned about where people are going when they die. And not about if they take their money somewhere else because Absolutely. we don't do what they want. A friend of ours in ministry here in Tulsa, um, his wife told me when they took over the church that they're running, which they've been running it for years now. Um, but she said that the older members in the church literally would hold up checkbooks and say to the pastor who was raised up in the church. If you don't play this song at the offering, I'm not putting my check in the offering. If you don't do this, if you don't preach this message, if you don't preach this scripture, then I'm holding my money. Now, this pastor is actually more of an apostle. And he said, then I guess you're going to keep your money because I'm doing what God called me to do. Not what you want. And we really have lost sight of. I love how you talked about that education. You know how we feel about education here, Price University. Um, and even the books that we have, the books that Dr. Price writes are not anecdotal. There are a few where her personal experience is in there. And there's a place for that, of course. Right. Um, but she's like, but uh, true apostles take you to Jesus. When you hear the real gospel, you're compelled to repent. Woe is me, for I am undone. Oh my yeah. God, what am I? What did I do to Jesus? I had no idea. I was a little girl when God called me, when he told me I was going to be an apostle. I did not know what he was saying though, <laughs> because I was raised assemblies of God. We didn't talk about apostles. It was, you know, okay, Paul was referenced, Peter, never really in the context they, of a They have the threefold ministry in the assemblies of God. Yes. And we were folded out. And so... <laughs> We will not, and it's in their bylaws. We will not acknowledge you yeah. as this. And so um, when God told me, he took me to a particular scripture about Paul and what he was doing. And he was like, you are going to do this for me. And I'm crying in my room, little girl. I know I was probably about 12 years oldish, somewhere around there. Balling my eyes out. Have no idea why I'm crying. No idea why this is compelling me to tears other than the fact that it seemed traumatic to Paul's life. So I was like, oh my gosh, okay, Jesus, you know. <laughs> life goes on moment goes i was ordained as a prophet in 2006 never really felt like a prophet never fit in um can't say i was comfortable at all in the prophet's office at oh all my God. um not to prophesy can, not can, to can we can we can we talk about that apostle ashley because talk. because we're talking about transition the the the, the prophets that do transition not the fake yes. ones yes. not not the ones that are ambitious we're talking about those of us who legitimately got called us for a season in our life to solely occupy the prophet's office. Mm -hmm. And then God said, okay, come on into apostleship. Mm -hmm. um, similar to like of Silas or Sylvanius, yes. right? Um, so when I was just serving as a prophet, the most agitating thing in the world was when I got around other prophets they would not accept me the way I wanted to be accepted as a prophet. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would come around and they would be like, you smell different. There's, there's something, there's something. And you know, I actually, I went to God crying about it. I said, God, you know, I've been rejected most of my life. I come into your church and I come into your, your officers uh -huh. and you make me an officer and I get around my other constituents and they reject me, Lord. Like, what's going on? I remember I went to Chicago and I met a group of prophets. It made me so mad. We all went to Chick-fil-A together. <laughs> we went to Chick-fil-A. The, the, the pastor said, I want you to meet my prophets. And they were all good, accurate, powerful prophets. And I was like, yes, a good company of prophets to do life with and, and to mm -hmm. share what God is saying and all that stuff like that. And they just all kind of gave me the cold shoulder. And I'm like, wait, wait, what's happening? Like, lost puppy, like, What's what's happening? And and they would talk about things, and I'm like, that's that kind of agitates me. I don't know if I 100% agree with that. I don't know if I hold that perspective, that same perspective as, as you all. And then one of them looked at me and said, "Hey, Prophet Jordan, um, can can I share with you something?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely. Very accurate, Prophet. Don't forget this day." He said, "Are you aware of your call to apostleship?" And I said. I, I I am, but you know, just he's like he's like yeah, bro. Like you should have went with the apostles. 
And I'm like, I said, no, but I'm a prophet. Like, I'm like, I'm like you. We're the, you know, we 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 the same. No, nothing. <laughs> no, we're not the same. And so I think to those who are legitimately called to that apostle's office, that God transitions them mm-hmm. or processes them through the prophet's office, there is always that natural apostolic bent. What I would yeah. call an apostolic scent to them. There's something about you that doesn't let you behave or be in the company of regular um, prophets. For an example, we see Judas and Silas in the book of Acts. And I don't want to rant on, continue on, but but we see Judas and Silas in the book of Acts. They weren't hanging with Agabus and the other prophets. True. We see Judas and Silas, Silas who's later on mentioned in Thessalonians as, as, as an apostle. We see them in the council of apostles in Jerusalem before they were sent to Antioch. We see them amongst the elders and the apostles because there was something about Silas that wasn't a regular prophet. There was an apostolic bent and calling and assignment in Silas that was in its embryonic stages. And so I think those of us, we have to recognize when that's in us and just yield to the spirit of God. So I just wanted to say that. Oh, I'm telling you, and, and that's a great uh, point to pause because even with the standardized ministry assessment series that Dr. Price has created, and you can go to PPM Global Assessments. Do I have a banner for that? I should uh, somewhere. PPM Global Assessments to take an assessment to see who you really are. But it distinguishes the difference between an apostolic prophet who could transition into the office of the apostle and the apostolic prophet who should support the work of an apostle Mm. and distinguishes how you might have the characteristics of the gifting apostolically, but lack the um, faculties of the office of the apostle that are needed to actually execute the office and not uh, just accompany the officer that's in that office. And that's really important to understand. Uh, Ideally, you know, I think sometimes we think that the uh, apostolic prophet to the apostle is like the vice president to the president. Well, if the president steps out, then that vice becomes the automatic next, which means that the vice should have the faculties and resources needed to execute that office at any time. And that's not the case of the apostolic prophet and the apostle, that one might be able to do some things in their stead. Uh, obviously be able to break down that gospel, to break down the doctrine, to break down the commission, to disseminate it to the people, but actually execute the office, not so much. We can go back to the um, Moses and Joshua in Old Testament, Moses being the Old Testament prototype of an apostle. And Joshua was clearly more than the the side piece, the sidekick guy who -hmm. just carried the bags. And we know this because when his mandate in Joshua was to do everything that I told Moses to do the way I told him to do it on the mountain, that means he had the ability to execute that and not just help where others, uh, you don't have those distinctions. And so, yeah, when I was in the prophetic company, when I tell you more fights, more skirmishes, more, (laughs) I mean, friction, like so much just friction, even if it wasn't flat out arguing, although that did happen as well. I mean, you know, apostles fight. Yeah. I'm not afraid of an argument. I'm not afraid to. I may not start it, but I'm certainly not going to run from it. Yeah. As far as and that I goes. Finish it most likely. And I will most certainly have the last say. My mother used to tell me all the time growing up, girl, you have last word-itis. You have got always something <laughs> to have <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? And I wanted to say something after she said that. And I was like, oh, I think she's right. She said, you <laughs> constantly funny. have to have the last word one day that's going to get you in trouble. And thank God it just became my job. <laughs> that's funny. I like that. A long time to get there. Um, but yeah, so I was not comfortable in the prophetic company. I knew I wasn't the same. But see, I was so insecure about being a prophet because I came out of the assemblies of God. So I had no prophetic background. So I thought initially for the first several years that my insecurity was tied to a lack of exposure and information. Everybody else that I was around, they grew up in prophetic type environments. They were people prophesying, whatever. And I was like, really, really, really? So I really just felt like I was riding the bench prophetically. um, And not that I was just en route. And and I was in that office for 12 years. Mm -hmm. And which is necessary. Uh, And so we require in Price University that all people who have not served for sure, who have not served prophetically, come through prophetic training on 
way to apostleship because there is a biblical foundation for that and it has to be proven. And then you have got to be vetted by seasoned apostles, not your crew, not the people watching you online. Go ahead, apostle, step heavy, apostle. That person ain't nobody's apostle. Listen, they're preaching hard. Yes, they are. They're prophesying deep. I mean, they're prophesying to your great, 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 great grandchildren's wallpaper in their nursery when they come home from the hospital. They are there. <laughs> but that's, that's make it them make it them not an apostle. Uh, and then whenever um, Dr. Price told me and this, well, I've been commissioned for four years. And so this was three years, two or three years before that. Um, she said, I know what's going on here. Your God is transitioning you into the office of the apostle because all of a sudden I was extremely intolerant, just intolerant. This is out of order. We need to straighten this out. I think every other phrase out of my mouth was that person needs deliverance. <laughs> I think by the fifth person I said, they're, they have devils. They need deliverance. Yeah. You could sit here for five years and do advisements and coaching. They need the devils cast out of them and off of them. And they need to leave them and not pick them up on their way out of the door. Hmm. One, of the, one of the first things, um, one of the first things I taught when I began to introduce my church to the apostolic anointing in the apostolic office, I taught this uh, message called critical or apostolic. Oh, so, Because it looks like a lot of times when you meet real apostles, they're going to a lot of times sound like the most critical person mm -hmm. around of mm -hmm. what's going on in the church. But it's really coming out of the faculty in them that sets order in the house of God. Mm -hmm. And so when apostles, you know, you know, a, a lot of times when you see prophets, prophets, they'll see sin. But a lot of times prophets, when they show up, immediately their eyes are going to pick up all the destiny, all the purpose. All the all the assignment. How bright is your star, and and who you are called to be? You're a great big shining star. But when the apostles going to show up, they're going because they're, because they're so foundational. Mm -hmm. They're going to show up on the scene, and they're going to see everything in your institution that is wrong. They're going to see everything that is out of order. They're going to identify every Absalom, every Ooh. person that is counterproductive. And so you know when this when this thing really begin to turn on in me. I was going to churches and I had to really, really watch myself because I really wanted to pull the pastor in the back office and say, okay, this was really wrong with your church. This was going on. And I had to recognize I was not welcomed here to be an apostle. They mm -hmm. wanted prophet Jordan. And so I had to function in that prophetic thing. But when that apostolic vein turns on in you, you yes. just want to correct, cut, rebuild, establish strengthen everything you can and you can't do that so yeah i, I totally agree with you there is a rigidity in the prophet's office that is not found in the other offices and it can get on a prophet's nerves for real because prophets flow and and now there is structure obviously hardcore structure and parameters and protocols in that prophet's office but the undisciplined prophet and the undisciplined apostle will be all over the place with that or really resent that structure in order. And that's the truth because you can't get past it. I mean, come on now. Being raised up under Dr. Price, <clears throat> was not in the center of the stage. Exactly. This flower is sideways. This one is straight. We need things that people don't even register that are in the room, much less off. And that mantle, it does see it because it, it is that detector. It's like a drummer can always hear when the rhythm is off. Mm -hmm. Nobody else will hear it. They're going to say, but do you hear the lag time in that? It's not exactly out of tempo. It's just out of phase. It's just that one person is slightly, the person with the perfect pitch hearing can hear that one singer who's slightly above the note. And then this one who's always under the note. And even though they, the people doing it cannot hear that. When we watch, uh, you know, if you watch all of the, whoever's got talent shows, they bring in the experts in the field to coach them and train people and they want to be picked apart in order to be the best but they want to be picked apart by somebody who is the best yeah apostles are and i in my uh, commission studies i had this epiphany apostles are experts in all things jesus christ and when you're an expert in the things of christ now notice i didn't say just an expert in quoting scripture come on quote the scripture and have no revelation no insight, no application whatsoever, or it's all misapplied, but experts in all things, Jesus Christ. So when Jesus walked into rooms and situations, he was calling them what they were. 
you devil. I mean, come on. His boy, Peter. Peter. That's his boy upon this rock. How many times did he tell him the devil is using you, sir? He said, get behind me, Satan. Did he not get the get back here? Oh, Lord, because far be it for you. You're not going to die. Get Satan. And he knew that was Satan. Now, anybody else would be like, man, you my boy. You my homie. I mean, that's it. Because we yeah. together. We're going to be in this ride or die to the end. And he knew that was a devil. Yeah. Trying to undo the whole purpose for why he came. You know, Satan is desiring you to sift you as wheat. He didn't lay hands on Peter to, to say, I bind that devil. I cast him out of your life. I'm going to pray for you that your faith going to. And when you are converted, strengthen your brother. He was able to discern, even though Peter was one of the most verbally loyal people Jesus had, that he didn't mean it. And only he was the one who didn't know it. Mm. And see, until we become that discerning of spirits, because we want to say discerning of spirits is only what? Who's going to manifest the devil? Who's going to show up? Who's going to fall? Who's going to froth at the mouth? Who's going to puke at the altar? When are we casting out the devil? That's what we, we, you know, that's that to us. That's discerning of spirits. But he was able to discern, Peter, even you don't know how much you belong to the devil. Even you don't know how much Satan is, is your puppet master. And he was this close to Jesus. This time tomorrow, son, no, I'm going to die with you. Whatever you want to do, please. <laughs> and so, which is why even, I don't know about you and your ministry, but in ours, when people start making all those public vows and declarations, we're like, all right, here comes the time. Three, <clears throat> two, because you know what? It's the quiet people who are getting it done. So let's <laughs> wrap on this. We, we talked about this earlier in the book. Um, before we went live about gods and nations and apostles dealing with gods in eternity's generals, page 59, preparing to face off with other gods is one of the sections in that book. Now you travel, you go to other ministries. One of the statements that Dr. Price makes in this book is she says eternal kingdom realities persuade apostles to emphasize in their ministries that the entire religion and humanist conflict is not about people's faith in dogma, ritual, religion, or spiritual ideology. It is emphatically God convinces his apostles a question of whose God is God and Mm. who belongs to what God in the world and what God takes possession of their soul in the hereafter. Let's talk about this for a moment. What are your thoughts on that? Your experiences as far as apostles drilling down on the God factor? Absolutely. You know, I think a lot of times we uh, we don't talk about the contention of gods in the church because we think everybody belongs to the same God in the church. True. Um, you know, when 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 we can profess Jesus, but I have learned that there are many Jesuses out there. There are many uh, Jehovah's, if you will, mm-hmm. little J, J Jehovah's. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've learned uh, that this is one of the things what I was going to mention to you earlier. I was talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul the apostle is dealing with um, uh, the gifts of the spirit. We all know about the gifts of the spirit, mm-hmm. uh, prophecy, uh, healing, all those different things. But I think a lot of times when we're reading on the gifts of the spirit out of 1 Corinthians 12, we skip past those first four or five verses and we jump into one. He gave prophecy and to another, he gave um, uh, healing and to another, he gave the working of miracles, but we don't see the foundation that the apostle Paul sets before those scriptures. He says, you were once led astray to mute idols. Mm. He says, no man speaking by the spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Ghost. So, you know, I begin to look into this and why did Paul feel the need to address this before he started talking about manifestations? Mm -hmm. Because Paul knew that he was going to be contending against other gods. Paul knew that there were other gods that had manifestations and we are not to just pay attention to the manifestation of power, but to look at the message that is spoken thereafter. For an example, every deity has a gospel or has a message. Come on. Every deity and every deity requires the participation of an oracle. This is why I tell people, I said, when you have a young prophet born and born, you want to hurry up and get that prophet's allegiance to Jesus because the deities of this world 
are contending for the allegiance of that oracle for the sake of speaking through them and 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 uh, executing their will on the earth. And so, um, so Paul says, listen, don't just pay attention to listen. My elbow feels better. Don't just pay attention <laughs> to come on to to to. Oh, he told me my name, or she told me what's going to happen to me in the future, and it was accurate. But pay attention to the message because every supernatural manifestation of power is a campaign for a deity. So when we see uh, the gospel, when we see a, a, an authentic man or woman of God used by the Holy Spirit to prophesy, to heal the sick, to cast out a devil, to do these various things, there is the campaign of the deity called the Christ, a campaign of our deity, Jehovah. But there are witches, there are warlocks, there are other people yeah. even in the church who are campaigning for their deity, and some of them don't even know it. Nope. There are don't listen, there are people who are prophesying, but they're campaigning for the deity of mammon. There are others who are who are doing deliverance, but they're campaigning for the deity of lust and perversion. And so, and so um we have to understand that just because something claims to serve the Lord Jesus, we need to ask the question, which Jesus? That's right. Which God? And, you know, other times um, we have to understand that deities have set themselves up, hallelujah, on the altars of churches around America and around the world. And, you know, it can look like a Christian altar, but even Paul, he went to Rome and he saw all these different altars, all these different deities to the extent where they even saw an unnamed deity, an unnamed God. There was an altar to the unnamed God. And Paul used it to preach, obviously, the gospel um, to Romans and say, I submit to you that this unnamed God is the God that formed the world. You know, and Paul, but Paul was 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 intentional about addressing the gods. If you look throughout the epistles, Paul is always talking about Diana. He's talking about all these other gods and say, hey, don't, don't, John is talking about the Nicolaitans and and all these because apostles are called to address the system that gods have set up on the earth so that the church can rule in that particular region. So, yeah. I just want to reinforce what you said with a few scriptures to the people in the back who don't know. Uh, Matthew 23, I'm sorry, Matthew 24, verse 23 and 24. Even if anyone says to you, look here is the Christ and there do not believe it for false Christ and false prophets <clears throat> will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, <clears throat> excuse me, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand, this is Jesus letting us know, speaking into what you just said, Apostle, that false Christs are coming. But they were already, even false messiahs were before Jesus was born. Hey, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. And so that's why it was a huge testimony to John the Baptist's ministry that he trained his disciples and his prophets to recognize Jesus on sight. Yeah. We don't because so much of this stuff is not taught. So much of the Bible is not taught. So people don't realize that was like the first miracle. There was no Twitter. I tell my teenagers this in youth group. There was no Twitter. OK, so Jesus wasn't tweeting. He didn't have a profile. Uh, you know, behold, I'm coming. Uh, you know, hit me up on my website. This is my concert tour. This is my tour through Galilee. This is my Galilean tour. This is my that tour. They didn't have all of that that we have now. Mm -hmm. And to recognize that Jesus was showing up on the scene in the flesh after so many people had said it. And then what? After Jesus's work and after he resurrected and ascended and they're doing the work of the gospel, what was the discussion? Well, this one came and left and that one came and left. And if it's true, it can't be stopped. And if it's a lie, if it's faith, it won't go. And, and so we don't recognize that. And also Galatians chapter 1 um, you speaking to every deity has its oracle. Everyone has its its spokesperson. Uh, Galatians 1, 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Yes. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you that we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Yeah. This is, hey guys, this is New Testament for people who want to, you know, say new. I was on a plane once sitting next to a very nice gentleman. Um, he was of the Mormon faith. Nice guy. He's trying to evangelize to me. I said, listen, 
he said, now this is when I was still a prophet. I wasn't even an apostle yet. And I was tired. I wanted to take a nap. I wanted to lean against that window and be out. So I was already annoyed that we were trying to have an evangelical conversion moment into <laughs> Mormonism. And he said, our, you know, our Bibles are, are the same. They're, I said, first of all, your Bible's like twice as thick as mine. They're not the same, first of all. I said, but Galatians, and I broke down what it said, knowing, of course, how Mormonism began. I said, it talks about if an angel from heaven preaches any other gospel. So no, I said, we're not going to have this conversation. I'm not going to be converted. You're probably not going to be converted. So we can talk, but we're not going to talk about this. And it's true that we do not equip the saints for the entire terrain of the kingdom. Yeah. We're only teaching them the home address. This is how you know that pastors have been in charge because people only have a local congregation mentality. Right. And the saints who are raised up under apostles have a kingdom wide mentality in everything that takes. Uh, you know, it's the difference between somebody who's never left their neighborhood and somebody who's traveled the world. Right. It's like, oh, no, there are different governments. You understand there are different uh, cultures, different laws, different societies, different religions, different this, that and the other for everything under the sun. The way we make our bed in the United States is not the way that, uh, you know, in Asia, they'll sleep on here and then other people will sleep in huts. And so all those basic things, how you wash yourself, how you how you cook your food, different in all these cultures. Mm. And it's all tied to their deities and who they worship. But yes. if you've, you've only stayed in your own neighborhood, which would be that pastor, just that local church, that home mentality, then literally the rest of the world does not exist to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of our biggest um, conflicts that we have in the body of Christ right now is because it is so pastoral. We have uh, people do have that local home. Well, this is how we eat at my house. Well, we sit around the table. Well, we eat around the television. Well, we have plates. Well, we all go to our rooms. We And hey, whatever works for your house is fine. But for the people who have the kingdom um, responsibilities and awareness and exposure, understand your local address is that much. Right. Uh, I'm going to give my final thought here and then turn it over to you. Uh, that um, one of another one of Dr. Price's statements is that she always says, no, the kingdom can survive without a church. A church cannot survive without a kingdom. That's good. And we have this thing completely inverted. The importance of it. Everything's about church, 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 church. Uh, not if it's gone. Not if there's no kingdom to protect it. Your church, our church doesn't mean anything. Your building doesn't mean anything if there's no law enforcement to protect it. Come on. No security system to protect it. No, but no first responders, 911, speed dial, anybody that you can call. You need, because, hey, what did we discover during COVID? And you just articulated wonderfully in the beginning of the broadcast. It was the mayors that said, uh, this is lawful and this is not together. So, so much for us not needing the kingdom mentality and awareness to know why we need to be in these seats. You know, we have all this stuff going on about the revival or revival. And whatnot. And, and there are many schools of thought on it. I always have one question when these outbreaks happen. What next? When God showed up on the scene, people got saved. That thing spread. They were converted. They overtook communities. They shut down other deities. It was not just about how many days we've been having church. Right. And so we have got to. Take this thing to the next step. If this is the birthing center, if God is, is you know, the paddles, you know, revival would be like clear because reviving is resuscitating something. So if this moment is bringing something back to life, what is going to be the outgrowth of that? What are we going to do? What can God do with this once this thing dies down? Once it dies down and people go back to life is normal. I mean, I remember Brownsville because I'm AG. So I understand Brownsville and the tour that they were on and the school that they built and the buildings that they built and everything like that. So what is, and even that could only go so far. So what's going to be the outgrowth of this moment right here? Is right. there a plan? I mean, Lord knows it took so people by surprise. So there's probably not a plan. This is when you need an apostle to come in and say, okay, but this is how we need to shift it or this is what needs to to go forth. It's not about who's jumping up and down. Who people, I've seen these posts, people measuring. Well, you know, the glory didn't fall. The people were standing up and I'm like, come on, guys. What? 
is God going to get out of this with the unconverted? Yes. With taking back territories. He wants his inheritance in the nations. Go ahead. I'm saying he wants his inheritance in the nations. Yes. And going back into apostleship, um, I, I was talking to my school of apostles and prophets, and we were talking about the different. I think what we need to learn also is that there are different types of apostles. Yes. And I think whenever we come into learning about prophets, apostles, any member of the fivefold, but specifically apostles and prophets, and more so specifically apostles, we have to learn what is our apostolic sphere. Because mm -hmm. as soon as you learn what your apostolic sphere is, you will be more uh, effective in your assignment. Um, and so um, I gave the example. I said two uh, shadows of the apostle's office are Nehemiah and Ezra. We have um, directly after the Babylonian exile, we see two men that were commissioned to build something. Mm -hmm. We have Ezra who, were, who was commissioned to build the temple. But then we have Nehemiah who was commissioned to build the walls around the temple. And so I think we have to understand that there are Nehemiah apostles, but then there are Ezra apostles. There are apostles who majority of their assignment will be to the churches or to the local body. And that's okay. I think a lot of times we become ambitious and we say, I'm an apostle to nations. Not everyone can be an apostle to nations. And you have no passport. No, you're not. No, you no passport. You can't, listen, you can't apostle the nations through Zoom. <laughs> through Facebook Live, you got you, you got to go through the nations, and so I think we have. Um, I think we've been trained in the apostolic by primarily Ezra apostles and pastors, pastors and apostles that would only see the local work, the building of the temple, of the body of the congregation. But then you have Nehemiah apostles who are sent into society to build walls. Mm -hmm. who are sent into society to reinforce the borders that even protect and expand the church in the house of God. And I think what we're going to really begin to see in this next era, in this you know, we're already in a new era, but what we're going to begin to see is the uprising of Nehemiah apostles that will not conform to religious dogma as it relates to what an apostle is. There's, there's going to be a, I think, I think you're one of those apostles, Apostle Ashley. We're going to see the kind of apostles that go out into society who ain't leading nobody's church, but who are, to, who are going into society to recover the spoils of God's war against the, against darkness, uh, uh, the, recover the spoils of humanity, recover the spoils of war for the sake of enlarging and expanding the borders of the kingdom of God. And so, you know, you have Ezra's who are called to religion and Nehemiah's who are called to kingdom. And I think there needs to be an emphasis on Nehemiah apostles, apostles that will that will contend against the borders of hell. And so that's my piece. That's what I have to say. You know, Ezra 710 says, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinance in Israel. And see, we often jump straight to teach. And we don't lay down that he prepared in his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Yeah. And we see this uh, in contemporary prophets and apostles, the prototypes and the officers um, and how we have got to fill these gaps in <clears throat> and really come back to the original purpose for them. When you were addressing uh, not everybody is called to the nations, you know, you have your first Corinthians 12, 28. And then you have your Ephesians 4.11. Ephesians 4.11 is talking about the church. So mm. you have your local church apostles. Yes. And then you do have your kingdom apostles that are outside of that church. And you need both because somebody's got to be in the house. Some have. Now, not everybody is supposed to have that, but he gave some. And, and when Dr. Price just broke this down again in one of our broadcasts or services, sometimes they all run together uh, about the difference between the two and understanding. And on Sunday, she's actually going through what makes her an apostle, why we're in an apostle's church and really just connecting that because our contemporary, I mean, gospel, what are we learning? People in church for 20, 30, 40 years, never hearing the lion's share of scripture, even inferred. Even if it's not, of course, read line for line, but even inferred or woven into messages. And so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Lord, we're out of time. My God, I got to have you back. It's just we knew this was going to happen, though. Yes. 
Okay, this, so this, this uh, was this was a short phone conversation between you and I. <laughs> they don't know. And, and, you know the, and the phone conversation would have been worse because we've been talking all over each other. I don't know. I don't know. But, but, you know, we have to have our public manners on. Yes. Uh, that is the truth. I know it because um, I said to one of my friends yesterday, I'm like, listen, me and Apostle Jordan on the phone, the few times that we have talked, it's over. It's over. And you're like, has it been two hours? Right. <laughs> Going into the deep realms of God, I need to be in a meeting. I need to get this thing ready. I know, I know. Just one more thing. Just one more thing. Just one more thing. <laughs> well, that is the truth before God. Uh, his website is www.jabcmen.com. Let's bless this man of God today. Cash app, jbcmen is his cash tag. Send the man some money. Listen, and don't give us a hard time about this. The gospel is free. This equipment isn't free. I'm going to tell you that right now. The equipment isn't free. He told me his new lights, new system, uh, the multi-platform, all of the softwares, the way we can multi-stream across all these things. None of these things are free. No, Nobody says, oh, you're a minister? Then let me give you the free link to this subscription. It's nowhere. So stop telling the people of God that they don't have a right to ask uh, for some financial remuneration, which is scripture anyway. All that to say, let's bless the apostle's life. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's possible way. Don't even try me. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah. I mean, we are so poorly trained in the body of Christ. We don't even realize how demonically influenced and satanically influenced we are to bankrupt gossip. Bankrupt. And we're gonna talk about people for looking cheap. Come on now. But you won't Bible. sell it. If you don't have apostle, apostle, if you don't have apostle of the future, hmm. if you don't have eternities generals, you need to add this to your personal library. If you're under an apostle, curious about apostles, don't like apostles and don't know why, buy this book and then share it with a friend. It might take you a while to get through. I, I crack up at how many people are like, man, I looked at this book for a long time and walked away and just had to come back in your season. You can handle it. So thank you, Apostle Jordan, for joining me. On a positive, I really don't have that many guests on my show, so this is very exciting. I know that means that means I'm anointed if you bring me on the show. <laughs> you are anointed and appointed. Appointed, yes. That's the time is this? Uh, <laughs> when, earlier, when you were talking about how um, now, see, listen, we get into this thing like we're on the phone. I do this with Prophet CT as well, uh, and you just, oh yeah, one more thing, one more thing. But earlier, when you were talking about um, prophesying out of season. Mm -hmm. in people's lives and how I, I teach my teenagers. I say, you know, it's your season of anointing and your season of appointing are almost never the same season. Mm -hmm. David was anointed, chosen, identified. And almost 20 years later, he comes into his office in his seat. But along the way, God is grooming him and trying him and trying that word in him. So uh, listen, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You see the giving information? Don't play. Like I said, bless the man. Bless the man of God man for of his God. wisdom that he has shown, that he has shown today. Um, what's the name of the book Jeffrey wants to know? It is Eternities Generals by Dr. Paula Price. Let me go this way. Eternities Generals by Dr. Paula Price. You can order it. Well, just Google it. You can order it wherever you order your books. You can order it at drpaulaaprice.com. You can order it on Amazon. You can find it there. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this week's broadcast of Apostle of the Future. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Apostle of the Future podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit AshleyCMinistries.com for more information. Follow me on Facebook at Apostle of the Future or YouTube at Dr. Ashley. See you next time. Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen.